The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, hey, hey! But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Tonight at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is. It's Taco Tuesday. The Points in the Bait podcast presented by Stadium Bedwick Steam. Zach Badger House. Zach, we are two short weeks away from the NBA returning. Just two more weeks. We've endured a full summer, pretty much all of spring, without NBA basketball. Now we're two weeks away. Teams going to the bubble, players going to the bubble, and my God, do we have so much stuff to talk about right now. <laughs> There's some ups and some downs. As it relates to the bubble, there's some good things, there's some bad things, there's some interesting things that could possibly take place, too, in the NBA bubble. So, yeah, we're here to talk about all that good stuff. Yeah, we usually do the uh, what NBA Twitter is talking about towards the end of the podcast, but we have so much to talk about that has been happening on NBA Twitter that we just moved it up towards the beginning. So we'll have the big three, then we'll do NBA Twitter and I just think it's amazing, and, and it shows what NBA Twitter is, is that we, we don't even have basketball back yet. They're just players going and practicing, and there's already drama happening on NBA Twitter. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, you got to love it. And we're all here for it right here on the Points in the Paint podcast. Absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter at Points Paint. Uh, you can follow Stadium on Twitter. Follow Ben Wittenstein, myself, and Zach on Twitter as well. We are all over social media. Um, we'll, we'll be trying to retweet from the account also things that we see from NBA Twitter. So if you missed it, you can follow our account. You can see all the very dumb tweets uh, that are happening around the NBA Twitter atmosphere. But, Zach, let's start with our first topic uh, of the big three. The big three. And that topic is in itself the NBA bubble. The teams, the players finally arriving. They're in Orlando. They're quarantining in the hotels. They're practicing. Everything is going on all at once, and it's a little overwhelming. It is overwhelming, and it's, like, right there in your face, like, right right away immediately. And then it's funny because, like, you see all the videos, like, certain players or some of the players and, you know, them being there and the troubles that they may have or the fun that they're even having now that they're actually down there in Orlando. And so it's definitely interesting. But some players are still not there, Ben. You know, some players have opted out, and then we've actually had a breaking superstar uh, actually contract the coronavirus. And who might that player be? Yeah, that'll be one Russell Westbrook. Russ, uh, it was announced uh, today, we're recording on Monday, uh, that he was tested positive. He said he tested positive. He's quarantining. He's going to join the team later on, I'm guessing, after he's quarantined for two weeks. So Russ is out for a while. We've had a couple other NBA players test positive as well. Spencer Dinwiddie, we talked a little bit about that on our last episode. But hoping, and this is just personal, but I'm hoping that most of these players don't get coronavirus because that would mean either the end of the bubble or even more players 
Uh, we've already had a good amount of players opt out, Zach, which I don't think is going to hurt the competition too much because it's not like super superstars, but it's definitely some key role players on a lot of teams that have been opting out uh, that we're not going to see that's going to lower the level of competition. Yeah, it's going to be uh, tough. And what my whole thing is, Ben, for me, is that if certain players aren't going to play, like, what does that say about, like, if the team should move forward with, like, actually playing and deciding to be in the bubble? Because, like, we talked about the new, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, right? And we're going to talk about them some more in this podcast because they've had some, some recovery as it relates to their roster in terms of picking pieces up. But... They've been on it. They've lost a lot of players. Superstar players won't be playing. Kyrie, Katie obviously said he wasn't going to return this season no matter what. But now you got they got um, what seven or eight guys on the roster, and you need twelve guys at least to fill the spot. And so you know they have issues. The Wizards, Bradley Bill, he's not going to play. And then Davis Bertans, he's likely not going to play too. And that's a team that's fighting for that playoff spot in the East, that eighth spot. And so, you know, it's tough with all the, like you said, they may not be super superstars, like like some of the guys I mentioned, like, you know, Bradley Beal, you know, Westbrook obviously has the uh, coronavirus, so he's going to be out 10 days. But you got guys like Trevor Ariza out, Davis uh, Bertans, he's out, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein for the Mavericks, he's a, he's, a, he's a key player for them as well. Obviously, we talked about like Wilson Chandler not being on the Nets and oh, and Spencer Dinwiddie because so there's a lot of players you know there's not playing. Obviously, Victor Oladipo he's an All Star and that's huge. Yeah, he's the biggest name I think out of all of those that's not playing. Exactly, that's in a playoff contention fight right now. You know, Victor Oladipo, yeah. Bradley Beal, uh, those guys. So it's tough. You know, Tabo Stefalosha. We haven't really seen much of him with the Houston Rockets throughout the season, but. You know, they've been actually uh, able to sign uh, someone else to fulfill his spot on the roster, Cephalosha. So, you know, key, key players on the roster spots, you know, Lakers picking up J.R. Smith after Ever Bradley decided not to play. You know, that stuff is beneficial. And there's going to be open spots, too, as well, as we continue to move forward and see what happens in the bubble. And speaking of the open spots, my guy, one of my favorite players, Jamal <laughs> Crawford, is back. And you mentioned it with the Nets. They their uh, roster is just destroyed from this you've got four players who have opted out deandre jordan spencer dinwiddie tory and prince wilson chandler you have durant and Kyrie who are not going to play because of injury so that's six key players right there for the nets that aren't going to play before they sign jamal their starting point guard on their depth chart i believe was tyler johnson which my god if you're going for a playoff spot too i think they picked him up too uh ben uh from uh waivers i believe they did i mean they they got karis lavert Joe Harris and, and Jared Allen, a great core right there of young guys. But you, you need you need some of these other guys to be able to try to make a run for the playoffs. So Jamal, old guy, still plays like he's 25. I'm enormously excited to watch him play and see what he does. The last NBA game that he played in, he scored 50 points. So and, he's and not washed. It wasn't yeah. on our roster. So Which is amazing time, to me. That's, man, that's but – Let's say he was a never return to the NBA, right? Like if he never get picked up, that's one that's one hell of a way to go out. <laughs> that, oh, that, that would have been like he never returned to the NBA, Jamal Crawford. That would have been the perfect way to go out your uh, NBA career, dropping fifty. But he has the opportunity to come back and make a help make a run for the uh, Brooklyn Nets and see what seeding they have in the playoffs. So that's good. Yeah, and so at this point, I think it's a we can understand the Nets probably will not do much in the playoffs. They just, they don't have the personnel unless Jamal Crawford is scoring 50 points a night, which 
that would well, he would devote like a whole episode to that if that happened. I like I like Karis Avert. Remember, Karis Avert went out there and he dropped almost like fifty that one night. So that he any given night, you never know what you might get out of uh, Karis Avert as well. But yeah, in terms of depth, I don't think like you said they don't have enough of, enough pieces and enough for enough quality minutes in any given game for them to actually sustain any success in the bubble right now. Yeah, and it's definitely they're a weird team because we're gonna the team that we're gonna see in the bubble is going to be 100% different team than what we see <laughs> next year. Obviously, because of the smaller people coming back, like Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, all those guys, DeAndre Jordan. But you're going to get Durant and Kyrie back. So this is going to be coming probably one of the, like, the laughing stocks of the bubble to next season. They may be a number one or two seed in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. If we have a season, you know, we're yeah. everything is speculation, you know, with this coronavirus right now. Everything is, is speculated. But we try to stay positive. And hope for the best, you know, hope we can continue to have basketball even throughout because we still don't technically know as this gets closer, Ben, you know, we we know we keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. But we still don't know if we're going to really have this season as it gets closer and closer. We just never know. But we stay positive and we hope that, you know, it does pan out positive. You know, we actually do get some basketball because we miss it. We do. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll we're going to talk about that in a second with kind of the next season, because that is no one knows. No one knows what the finances are going to be. No one knows what the coronavirus is going to look like come December 1st when they kind of sort of want to start the season. So we'll know more as the fall progresses and we hope that the next season starts on time. But my guess is it's not going to have any fans. But again, that's kind of a discussion that we'll have later on towards the winter. But the other thing I wanted to point out for this in our first uh, of the big three with that yeah, team in the bubble. <laughs> is this could have been saved for what NBA Twitter is talking about, but I thought this was just too damn good to not put in this first segment. And that is an, a model on, I think it's an Instagram model, or she says she's a model on Twitter. Her handle's at ugly underscore Anna. Oh, she has put her said, out there. <laughs> this was two days ago. She said that she had already been invited to the bubble. Hey, you know what's funny? I don't know if you know, but I know the player. <laughs> I no, know the you player. don't. I do. I know the player. I won't. I won't put him out there. I won't put him out there. But I definitely know who the player is because if you look at her Twitter, see, you can just find this out on your own. If you go, you were doing some sleuthing. If you go out and you look at her Twitter page and look at who follows her, his name's right there. <laughs> name's right there. Name's right there. If you if you if you follow that player and you go to her Twitter's account. Her Twitter account, you will see that he follows her. Like you will see it. And so I'm, I'll text you to, I'll text you and tell you who it is. I'm not going to tell the audience who it is, but I will say this: it's a member of the Los Angeles Clippers. Man, oh, I'll say no. that. I'll at least say that. And it's not bored, man. So I'll, I'll at least, I'll at least give the audience that. That is, uh, <laughs> you're a regular Sherlock Holmes over there, Zach. That's amazing. Definitely That's um, got to do some sleuthing. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, though. That it's like. They're not even in the bubble for four to eight hours, and you already have someone saying they've been invited uh, to go to go inside the bubble. So hopefully, either she doesn't go, <laughs> or she's coronavirus free, and they let her in. Something like that. I don't. I don't really know what the protocol is for, you know, late night calls like that. <laughs> late night calls. <laughs> to put it mildly, someone's right. got to ask Adam Silver about it well, at a press see, conference. You know what? I gotta say this, Ben, because I've seen. Some people having this conversation on TV about this, and it's actually quite funny because as funny as it is, it's kind of serious, too. And I got to even ask you this. What would have been better for the NBA bubble, right? 
now that we know now that we know that something like this could have taken taken place, what would have been better? Having the bubble in Las Vegas or having it in or in Orlando? <laughs> like which one probably would have been more suitable, right? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Well, Orlando, for sure, if you're looking for player safety and for them not to leave the bubble at all. Exactly. Or have anyone brought in from the bubble. And I think it would have been a better proper situation, obviously, to have it in Orlando versus Las Vegas. Like, Las Vegas. Like, I think, remember, I was vouching for Las Vegas for for a long time earlier in the podcast, you know, in the past. But then I started thinking about it more that once they really once they set stone on having it in Orlando, I said, yeah, that was a better idea because having yeah. it in Las Vegas, that would have just been too much trouble. Yeah, I mean, you got boring old Orlando or you've got <laughs> sin. It's literally called Sin, sin City. City. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that would have ended well at all for any. Env- I mean, if they're inviting people now in Orlando, imagine what it would be like if they were in Las Vegas. It would it would be terrible. It would be coronavirus everywhere. It would be horrible. But it would make for good Twitter, at least. Some good NBA yeah, Twitter. Definitely some good NBA Twitter. <laughs> uh, let's see. Some other news. I, we do have our first big injury news. Rajon Rondo, broken thumb. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, so the Lakers are not going to have him for the rest of their you know, regular season, whatever they call it, those eight games. And if he were to come back on that timeline, he would be back uh, around the end of the first round of the playoffs, I believe is what they said. And I don't think they actually – I don't think they have a roster spot, Ben. I don't think they have a roster spot available uh, for them to even actually try to go out and uh, get a player, you know, get a get a free agent out there. I don't think they have the uh, roster spot. However, I do know they're really trying to get that one kid to improve really well. The Tucker, I know his last name's Tucker. Uh, he's a he's a rookie. I know he signed with Clutch Sports with uh, with LeBron James and uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Rich Paul. Rich Paul. So they signed. He signed with Clutch Sports or whatever. And so. I don't know, Ben. I don't know if the Lakers have a spot to fill to, you know, get him. While Rondo's obviously uh, out with the injury, I don't know if they really have a spot available. Yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll have to see what they do. I don't know really the logistics of it, but I, I was looking forward to seeing playoff Rondo. That's kind of when he's at oh, his yeah, most that's fun. Elite. Yeah, that's when he's at his best. At the very least, he's usually, you know, he's averaging a, a low. Sometimes he'll average a low double double. We saw, I think, a couple years ago, he was like a ten and eleven guy with eleven assists a game, ten points. He's he he just for whatever reason he's a different player in the playoffs. At least in the past few years, when he's kind of lollygagged throughout the season, he's come back in the playoff with a playoff team and he's been good or at least acceptable and and he's contributed to the team. We saw it when he was on the Bulls. That one year he was on the Bulls, somehow he came alive in the playoffs and then he got hurt. Always gets hurt. Well, I don't say always gets hurt, but he does have a little record uh, as of late of like injuries kind of catching up with him a little bit. Rondo, he's here and there. They're a little, they're, and they're always like minor injuries. They're nothing like too super significant or anything, but it's always something that that causes uh, Rondo to miss time as of late in uh, his career. Yeah, it it always it's unfortunately always seems to happen to him. Very injury prone, but hopefully it's not it's the first and last of the big injuries that happen, but. If I had to guess, we're probably going to see some more just simply because guys have not been playing basketball for three months. You're going to have some issues with their bodies, I would guess. So hopefully they've been training and and working on staying healthy because, I mean, Zach, at this point, I just don't know if the league can afford to lose more players because they've already got players opting out, getting coronavirus. You, You just can't afford to lose any bigger guys to injury. Yeah, losing guys to injury is, is the last thing that the NBA needs. And with everything else going on, you know, obviously the pandemic, you know, they got to make sure they don't get contracted with the virus and, and injuries. Injuries are going to happen. We know that. Like, I don't I don't even shy away from it. They're going to happen. 
we just have to hope that it's no one major. Like, we just have to hope that there's no superstars getting hurt. And if they do get hurt, that it's nothing super significant, like maybe sprained ankle at the at the most, you know, things like that. Nothing too crazy because that's the last thing that the uh, NBA needs right now with coming back. You know, you knew they got to have those ratings because stars sell, sell the show. All right, let's move on to our second of the big three. The big three. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's time to talk about food, Zach. It's time to talk <laughs> about food because everyone's been talking about food. And apparently, seen with Snap stories and Instagram stories and tweets, the food in the bubble is terrible, apparently, is what it looked like. Now, for me, I think the reason that the, or the, the, the way that this could get solved with the stop players complaining about the food, because to me, the food looked okay, it at least in the later pictures. Okay. Yeah, the later pictures did look okay. It did, and they need to present it differently. If they they need to stop delivering the food in styrofoam boxes so it looks like <laughs> leftover takeout. They need to deliver it on these nice fancy plates with nice silverware. You get some napkins here. You get some guy playing the violin in the corner. You you make the oh, presentation. <laughs> you make the presentation look nice, and then you won't have players complaining. If you give it to them in a plastic bag in styrofoam, you give them plastic forks and knives. Of course, the food's going to look like crap. It looks like it's like from a bad takeout restaurant. (laughs) Absolutely. But I will say this. uh, The food doesn't look all that bad, but you have to be able to accommodate all diets. That's my only concern. I think the food will be okay overall because these are professional athletes. So they got to have the proper meals, proper protein, proper diets, the whole nine. Right. And so when I saw I saw Kuz food, Kyle Kuzma's food yesterday. And he had like some sushi. Looked it presentable. Didn't look that bad, actually, Ben. Like, you know how you're describing it, how it was all like on a plate? It was like on a plate, nice plate. And then it was another plate of sushi on another side. And it had a nice, it was all nice plates, basically, Ben. It, it was, the presentation was, was well put. But then I saw Ben McLemore's food. And like how you alluded to, the styrofoam, his came in a styrofoam. It looked at like leftover takeout food from like some <laughs> barbecue joint. Like it just didn't look, it didn't look presentable. So you're right. Like presentation is definitely key, but I also think that they have to accommodate all diets. So if someone's vegan, you have to be able to accommodate that person. You know, if they're pescatarian, they don't eat red meat. They only eat seafood. You have to be able to accommodate those sort of things. So I think that's something that they definitely have to look into. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think that, in a week or two is what they said. They're going to allow these players to bring in their private chefs or they're going to be they're going to allow them to do takeout. I think it's that first two weeks of quarantining to make sure everyone is virus free. Okay. And then after that, I think they're going to allow them to bring in their chefs, get takeout, get more food options for them available. So I think these the, the like, you know, quote unquote, crappy looking food. I think that's <laughs> only for two weeks or whatever, where they have to eat out of styrofoam boxes Something like that, I think. Well, we hope so. Well, we hope that's yeah, not the we don't, case. We don't want LeBron eating, eating you know, leftover scraps. You, know, you, <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want LeBron eating leftover fish from the refrigerator like he's in college. Like I saw a WNBA's player meal, and she said it was not advertised the way it was supposed to. And so like how you said, her food came... It was just all put together. You would have expected like the vegetables to be on one side and then the meat to be here and then the mashed potatoes to be like over here. No, her food was just like all cluttered up together like she did it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, listen, if I'm used to eating food and meals that are four hundred, five hundred dollars a meal and then you give me food in in a styrofoam box in a plastic bag with a plastic fork, I am going to be upset also. 
<laughs> I understand that. It's like when Rajon Rondo, he uh, when he got to the bubble and he posted the hotel room, he said he compared it to a Motel 6 room. He was making fun of it. And I looked at the room and I'm like, definitely a nice is, ass room. <laughs> this is, if I was there, that would be one of the nicest hotel rooms I've ever been inside. So exactly. it's I mean, these guys have been used to five star hotels for their entire career. So being, you know, inside a Disney World hotel probably isn't up to their standards. But it's that is not a Motel 6 room, Rajon. That is uh, you should see those Motel 6 rooms. Everything is terrible. <laughs> Everything. The walls are cracking. There's dirt on the floor in the bathroom. And the only thing that works in those rooms is the A.C., you could put that thing at 60 degrees and you will feel like you're in the Arctic. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to uh, our, our third of the big three. The big three. And uh, that is the finances with the NBA. Wanted to talk a little bit about those finances because they're going to have some issues up, up in the coming next year, as we kind of alluded to in the beginning of the podcast. If they start on December 1st, I think that key date is October 18th, where they have to figure out the finances from this last season and they have to get ready for the finances for the next upcoming season to prepare for the cap room and and all of those uh, money related issues that they're going to have. Now, the bubble is costing them one hundred and fifty million dollars, apparently, according to uh, according to a lot of sources and a lot of reports is what they're saying. They're they're thinking they're going to lose a billion dollars in revenue because they're not going to have fans. They didn't have a playoffs with fans this season. So, Zach, it seems like the league is dead. Definitely going not they're not going to be strapped for money, but they are definitely going to be taking in a lot less money than they're used to, which is going to affect the cap room, which is going to affect the salaries of these players going forward. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But you have to look at it like this, though. If they don't play at all, then that's even more money that they're going to lose. Right. It's like the players are going to actually retain like six hundred million dollars by even coming back and finishing this season out, which is huge. Right. Because to lose a billion dollars in revenue on top of six hundred million dollars like that's a lot and so for them to play these 88 regular season games and all the you know the playoffs and you know that's important for them long term everything with everything with this season right now shutting down is has been affected for the long term the long run because you got guys with uh that are projected to have what a grand total of four billion dollars in guaranteed contract money next season and the uh the collective bargaining, they actually agreed for the 50-50 split in terms of basketball revenue. So that's good that they were able to agree with that during this time. And so there's a lot of things to really look at uh, throughout this course. You know, the, the $150 million, uh, you know, for the bubble, what did that actually go towards, right? Well, it went towards, you know, obviously all NBA teams, all 22 teams, the resorts, you know, all that had to be paid for, the, paid for, the seven practice courts they had to be made, and all these meals that we just talked about that have to be made for the players and everything. So all that stuff had to be paid for somehow. And so, you know, Adam Silver, he even said it like, this is an unfortunate situation because, you know, this is this is very costly. You know, this isn't this isn't something where like we're in an arena and every every night we're at one spot, one venue using this venue to this maximum potential. And it's going to cost a lot of money. It's one of those things where it seems like it was the least worst option. Kind of like you said, it's better than not playing. Mm-hmm. So it's not that this was the best option available, but it just was the least worst, I guess. It was the best way to keep players healthy. It was the best way to get games to continue so you could continue the TV contracts and keep getting that TV money. Um, and it was the best way to continue to pay the players and to be able to have at least some revenue come in so you could continue to have high operating costs for the future. And and that's going to be the issue because we saw it in 2016 when they did the new TV deal that extended the cap space by 
you know, $24 million, $25 million, or whatever it was, and we saw these guys get massive, massive contracts in 16 oh, yeah. and 17. You were right, um, $24 million. You were right, $24 that, million. Dollars. I mean, that's going to probably be lost now in the next couple of years. The cap, yeah. the cap is going to come down because of this, and the best way they could salvage it to make sure it doesn't come down even more is to play some of these games in Orlando. Mm. Hey, did you know the, uh I just got something that just broke. Two players have already uh, broke the quarantine rules, but they're like not like known players. So like the first player he played, I don't even remember who he plays for, but he broke the rules. And then I just got something live right here on the podcast that Rakan Holmes crossed the campus line to pick up food delivery, and he must be isolated for eight days. So if you oh go pick up, so if you go pick up some food, you're gonna you're gonna have to be quarantined for ten days. So like this is very serious. <laughs> that was our own Shams breaking the news too. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, man, I, I'm I'm just worried that that's going to be the issue. Is a lot of these players are just not going to care, and they're going to leave the campus, or they're going to bring bring someone in, bring a late night booty call in, uh, <laughs> or whatever it may be, and they're going to spread something throughout the rest of the the rest of the campus to the rest of the players because all it takes is one player at this point. Yeah, if one player gets something, you're almost guaranteed it's going to spread to at least a few other people. Just because of how close these guys are, they're going to be playing literal basketball games next to each other. So it's going to spread. So they just they need to be careful. They they need just to be, be careful. have some reason. It's so wild. And this was I was going to bring this up in what NBA Twitter is talking about, and we can go to that subject now and and just talk about everything going on on NBA Twitter. But there was a report, Chris Haynes, uh, he tweeted today on Monday, he said that <laughs> that snitch hotline that was set up for players to, you know, snitch on each other and, and report violations, that has not been used yet. Maybe, hopefully that means either A, no one has done anything bad, or B, that no one is using that hotline to snitch on players. You think it'll be used? I, no, I don't, well, hey, well is it only players that can stitches. use it? Listen, where I'm from, snitches get stitches. So you think you think they're going to use it? <laughs> I don't. And listen, I think I think because they're also all in the same spot, it's not hard to find someone when you find out who's the snitch. Yeah. You know I, I don't like, think they're going to be telling on each other. Like you got to be super lame to be out here snitching. Oh, so and we were going to talk about that, too, like the tampering. So I wish like like for an example. Right. Let's say hypothetically speaking. Let's say Sergi Baca, right? He's going to be a free agent. And a team a team like, I don't know, the Boston Celtics, like they, they need a big man, right? Like a solid big man over there in Boston. Hypothetically speaking, let's say hmm, Gordon Hayward <laughs> and Ennis Canner was just to present Sergi Baca with an opportunity. Oh, yeah, Brad Stevens, yeah, he's a great coach. You know, he's a great X and O's guy, you know, loves, loves his players. You know, just really selling it, you know, really trying to sell him the opportunity to go to Boston. You think Mark Gasol and Fred Van Fleet are going to tattletale on Gordon Hayward and Ennis Canner for for talking to Serge Ibaka? See, I don't think those type of scenarios would take place. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I, and, and it seems like the NBA players are a little bit tighter than a lot of other leagues. So it, it seems like there's definitely more camaraderie and respect between a lot of the players that I don't see anyone tattling on anyone else for, <laughs> for something like that. I think that that would be insane. And we would absolutely find out about it because you know, for a fact that either the person who got snitched on or his friends would be all over Instagram live 
talking smack about whoever did it. Absolutely 100% that would happen. We would find out in five seconds who snitched. It would exactly. not be a secret. <laughs> oh, free not oh, at all. Free woes. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second because that's uh, that's a whole issue now. What it do, baby? Yeah. We could talk. The, we could talk all about the background that happened, but we'll, we'll just get to the point about Woj being suspended by ESPN. And I, for me, the funniest takeaway from this was being on Twitter this weekend and seeing Shams trending, and it was great because there were some awesome memes about Shams <laughs> being the guy now, being the number one dude for NBA breaking news. And we're seeing it now. He's breaking news about about players leaving quarantine. So I'm sure he's going to be all over that for the time being. We're going to be able to learn who's going to have to go in quarantine for 10 days because they and left the bubble because of Shams. And who's snitching. <laughs> and who, no, absolutely. He's gonna, <laughs> Shams got his ear to the ground, man. He's going to be able to tell us who's been snitching, who's been doing what. So I just thought that was funny. We had a lot of players tweeting free Woj. We had uh, Spencer no Dinwiddie was tweeting about Shams. I thought that was very funny that Shams was his guy now. Yeah, so, like, oh yeah, I'll take Shams in a versus. <laughs> He's oh, like, yeah. I'll take Shams in a versus. So yeah, that was hilarious. And then like the free Woj thing, like Le- when LeBron tweets free Woj, that's when you know it's real. Like Le- I seen LeBron tweet it last night, and that was amazing. And it all like you said, like all the videos with like Shams, but all the videos with Woj, oh my gosh, like man, it was so hilarious. Like the one I sent you last night, like that one was hilarious with like the Avengers and Monster Inc. and then the the dude from Shrek, like like oh I just it was just hilarious. Like I could not stop. Like I, I told you I watched that video like ten times, like literally, like it was so funny. Like everybody's rallying up around the NBA for free Woj. Like it was just hilarious. So Twitter was hot for the oh, over the oh it was. There's nothing better than NBA Twitter getting together to to do uh, the same memes for something because they are always, always amazing. Someone finds just the best videos, the dumbest <laughs> reactions, and it is constantly funny and it is hilarious. And that was the situation this weekend with the free Woj and people talking about Shams there. They will forever be interconnected. And I oh, think yeah. that's that's great. Twitter's always going to be talking about them together. The other thing that people on NBA Twitter love to talk about the pregame outfits that the players wear and apparently, according to a report released on Monday, uh, they are officially back in Orlando. A league spokesperson said they're opting for a different policy because initially they didn't allow those pregame outfits. But now they're saying the players can bring their own wardrobes to the arena when they when they come play basketball. So we're going to get to see Russ dress insanely weird. We're going <laughs> yeah. to see all these guys with their hats, um, weird clothing. It's going to be great. I think that's some of the best parts of the pregame in the NBA. Well, a wise man once said, right, a man by the name of Deion Sanders, he said, you look good, you play good. And when you play good, they got to pay you good. <laughs> I think so, they said that in Like Mike, too. <laughs> so, you know how that is. And for uh, Wesley Westbrook, I think when he goes out there and he's looking swaggy the way he is in his own right, whatever he decides to wear because, again, I think he's his own man with with, with the styles he decides, to, like the clothes he decides to wear at Russell Westbrook. So uh, I think his game relates to his fashion. So, when you, like I said, when you look good, you play good. So we'll see. And I get it. I think the idea for this all, too, is, you know, you want to make the players feel as comfortable as possible, as normal as possible. So you let them dress up like they would for a normal NBA game, let them come in with their outfits. I think that's great. And it's fun to see, too. It's just something else to talk about on Twitter, something else to see pregame before the games on TV. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad they reverse course on that because it allows the players to show their personality. And that, yeah. and why wouldn't you want that? 
Um, let's see some other stuff happening on Twitter. God, there was just so much stuff happening. And this was just like the past 48 hours on Twitter. <laughs> Our Shams, speaking of Shams, he reported a couple days ago that some of the entertainment options that the NBA was offering. Uh, one of them was they're offering some DJs to come and play um, in some areas of the bubble. Players w- could go and, you know, it'd be like, I guess they like their version of the club. I, I don't really know what the point of that was, but they offered <laughs> DJs. And apparently the news came out. Dwight Howard. <laughs> Was the only one that showed up for the DJ sets. <laughs> so everyone was doing, making fun of that and Dwight Howard being the only one dancing to music. I thought that was very funny. Or maybe yeah, people her. found out Dwight was going and they said, no, thank you. Oh, that sucks. That sucks. You put him on a spot like that. <laughs> he was just getting called out on Twitter for that. It was very funny. It was just he, Dwight Howard, the only one to show up to these DJ sets and no one else. He's a at the party. Loner at the party. <laughs> He's just the only I just picture him the only guy dancing and it's only him and the DJ and it's just Dwight Howard vibing on the dance floor by himself. Seem like that seems like a very Dwight Howard moment. The let's see, JJ Reddick shotgun a beer in a cold I tub. Saw that. I saw he that. He's gonna shotgun a beer in a cold tub, so that is a very JJ Reddick thing to do. <laughs> um I think it was like a Bud Light or something. It was a Bud beer. Light. Was a Bud Light. Took it to the head too, just straight down. <laughs> yeah. He uh, listen. There are people who say they're going to shotgun beers and they, they don't know how to shotgun. Like it comes out of the top. They they tilt their head the wrong way and it just comes out the top or they can't finish the shotgun. You got to hand it to J.J. Redick. This is a guy who went to Duke. He's been to college. He knows how to shotgun. He learned something at least at Duke. Ah! He could do he could do that shotgun well. I got to no, hand did. it to him. No, he did. There, he did. there was no extra liquid coming out when he threw it away. Nothing came out the top. Oh, no, he murdered it. Yeah, he straight finished the whole thing. Yeah, it wasn't a drop left. Because <laughs> that's the thing. If you're going to tell people you're going to shotgun, you better know how to do it. Because you, you don't want to be made fun of for not for being the guy who didn't know how to shotgun. Uh, yo, <laughs> well, but that's the thing. You got to know yourself, right? You got to you're not going to be someone who's going to go on Twitter and say, look at me. I'm going to shotgun if I do this because you right. know yourself well enough. You're right. <laughs> Uh, Boban Luca, best friends. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Check this out, though. Tobias, yeah, he ain't really too happy about that. Tobias Harris, his good old buddy Boban, yeah, he don't, he don't really like their little friendship. He a little jealous of uh, Luca and, and Boban right now. He not too fond of that. <laughs> yeah, they're hanging out at the Dallas Mavericks practice and fooling around. I think Boban was fishing, too, with Luka Doncic. Um, and, and Tobias <laughs> made a video and Everyone knows the Boban Tobias Harris friendship is the goat of friendships. It is, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Luca and Boban might be the next uh, up and coming pair of fun friendship buddies. You never know. Boban seems to be friends with everybody. There was a good article in the Athletic that talked about that. How there is literally everyone in the league loves Boban, and it's just because he's a seven foot four giant like panda. He's just like <laughs> loves everybody, very cuddly. <laughs> Apparently, the funniest thing that I read about Boban is that he loves sending emojis and he will only send people emojis sometimes instead of text messages with words it'll just be emojis <laughs> and there were players that were like boban you can't be sending me the hard eyes emojis six times in a row <laughs> like, yeah. you can't be what doing that, that buddy like what does that mean like what does that mean for you compared <laughs> like for me i don't even know what that means for me but what does that even mean for you right now <laughs> but no so yeah boban i guess it's a little different over in europe they love the emojis a little bit more over there um but boban so apparently he needs to learn how to text using fewer emojis but i don't think that's going to happen because boban seems to do his own thing 
like Tobias, he's so funny though. Cause like I saw a video where he saw uh he saw Bo- he saw Bobon and he was like, I don't like you no more. You got new friends now. <laughs> like that. It was just so funny. Like their friendship is just so unique, Bobon and Tobias Harris. And now obviously Luca and uh Bobon as well. But then you got a I think he saw a video. I think Tobias posted a video. He saw uh Bobon and Luca together. He was like Look at this man hanging out with Luca. <laughs> and then Josh, Josh Richardson commented, it was like, I guess he must have forgot about you. <laughs> so yeah, but they had a little fun and a little kick out of uh, you know, Bobon being with Luca now over there in the Dallas Mavericks after being with uh with Tobias Harris at a point in time. So yeah, it's great fun. That's uh that's great. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to follow that all the time because people were upset when Tobias was traded away from Bobon and they had to go their separate ways and now they're all back in the bubble together. So maybe we'll see some more Tobias and Boban adventures on social media. That would be lovely. That would be great. Um, let's see what else. we got a couple more things. Dame, 2K21. Yeah, you remember we talked about it last podcast. He's he's on the uh, official cover of NBA 2K21. Well, they just finally released a uh, commercial not uh, over the weekend, I saw. And it's quite hilarious. So if you haven't had the opportunity to see the Damian Lillard 2K21 commercial, definitely uh, YouTube that and uh, check that out. It's actually quite hilarious. Have you seen it yet? Uh, I have not, actually. i got to go watch it. Because, listen, I'll watch anything that Dame's in. He's He's awesome. I'm as big of a Dame fan as I can be. So I'll, I'll watch anything that guy's in. Yeah, it's one of the most unique uh, commercials they've probably had for NBA 2K21 for sure. So uh, definitely check that out. Here's some more breaking news for you on the pod. Our own Shams tweeting this. He said, sources, two NBA players have tested positive out of the 322 tested on campus on July 7th. So six days ago, two players tested positive. That's very good uh, in terms of like the numbers, right? Only two. That's that's very good. At least we don't have 10, 12, 20 or anything like that. So that's definitely good. And we hope that the numbers stay low or just, you know, stay at zero after these two. You know, hopefully, you know, Westbrook comes back after his 10 day quarantine and everybody, everybody will be locked and loaded and ready to go for some NBA basketball. Yeah. So hopefully, let's see, July 7th, I think teams were just starting to get there. So yep. hopefully they were able to get these guys early. And they were able to isolate them, quarantine them away from everybody because practices uh, just started a few days ago. They practices started after July 7th, I believe. So you hope it didn't spread from those two people. And hopefully they caught it early enough where they were able to, to contain it. Because, again, I mean, the, the good thing about the bubble is it separates everyone from the rest of the coronavirus in society. But if it gets out in the bubble, you're you're done. Yeah, like that's the so. whole reason behind it is you're done if, if it comes in the bubble, because then everyone probably is going to end up getting it. ISO Joe. Let's talk about ISO Joe. ISO Joe, TBT. He's been putting in work. I saw at least the last game that I saw, he had like 35 points in the in the basketball tournament, the TBT. <laughs> Which is, you know, listen, that's a fun tournament to watch. If, yep. Even even when there's well, it's usually over the summer when there's no NBA anyways, but if you're just if you're a basketball fan, the basketball tournament is very fun. There were some old basketball guys, old college guys. Aaron Kraft, I was watching, and love Aaron. God, Kraft. I hated Aaron Kraft. No. What? I, what? Listen, I thought you were a Michigan fan, because as a I'm, Michigan fan, for me, he I hate like hated him playing for Ohio State. He was just the most annoying player. I don't like Michigan. Michigan State maybe, but not Michigan. But uh, I will say this: you can say that though. You can say you hate him. But you got to respect him. And that's what that's really what it is for me. Like, I respect 
Aaron Crabb. Because Aaron Crabb did something. He broke the stereotype for white guys. Like, he did. He I did. thought he played exactly into the stereotype. He, he what, what? How many white dudes you know can play defense 90 feet up the floor? That's all he we're known for. No, huh? We're only known for being, like, the fundamentally sound players, great defense, very scrappy. Those, nope. those, that's what we're known for. That was Aaron Kraft to a T. And you're, you're right. Like, I can't disrespect his game. He was a very good player. And that's why I hated him so much is because he was just so annoying on the basketball court because he was so good and he was pesky and his defense was incredible. He'd always annoy the hell out of his opponents. But that was, that was his game is just to be the scrappiest guy, the most intimidating guy, just by the way that he played defense. And he succeeded immensely with that. That's hilarious. Aaron Kraft, I'm going to tell you something. When we in the, listen in the black community, when you look at like white basketball players, the thing we think of is they can shoot, they can't jump, and they won't be able. Now that stereotype, now that stereotype is out long gone. The white man can't jump, that's long gone. I've seen <laughs> too many white dudes do freakish athletic dunks over the last like five to seven years alone. So that stereotype has been broke. But the stereotype for white basketball players, the only they, they only can shoot, they can't play defense, and they can't jump. But they can shoot lights out, fundamentally sound, and can shoot lights out, but can't play defense. Aaron Kraft, he really couldn't shoot at Ohio State, could play the hell out some defense. Like, he would clamp down and lock down those big 10-point guys, and we'd have those guys frustrated. And so I remember that vividly, and so I respect Aaron Kraft for that alone, being able to play defense and lock up defensively for Ohio State. But, uh, yeah, ISO Joe, he's been putting in work. And a lot, I feel like the guys in the TBT, if people haven't been playing tips to that basketball, he was actually in the later rounds. And I feel like the guys who had to actually go out there and play all those games and Joe Johnson didn't, I, don't, I feel like they weren't happy with that. Yeah, it seems like Joe Johnson's everywhere, too, these days. He was in the big three. Yeah. In that, in that basketball league, he was. he's now in TBT. That dude just – I would be shocked if he didn't get a shot in the NBA at this point. I mean, they're losing players left and right. At some point, yeah. he's going to be the next guy up. Yeah, and I was wondering, too, I was going to ask you this, if you think um, he'll actually be on an NBA bubble roster, you think he'll get a phone call after the TBT? Because he's technically quarantined right now in the TBT, and that whole situation has you know shown us what the NBA could even look like, you know, the TBT. They gave us a small glimpse of what the NBA will look like in the bubble. And so you think he'll get a phone call? That's why I wanted to talk about this. You think Joe Johnson will get that phone call to come to the bubble? Yeah, listen, if we're making a bet, if we're betting people, I would say I would put money on Joe Johnson being on an NBA roster sometime in the next couple months. I, I think that is very possible because – one, again, how many guys are on that list of players who teams know can play in the NBA right now on short notice? And how many guys even further on that list have been playing competitive basketball in the past two months? Exactly. And so Joe I think, Johnson. And who yeah, can I, shoot lights out sometimes? Joe Johnson. <laughs> I think I saw Joe definitely has to get a, uh, an opportunity in the NBA bubble. I mean, it's, it's his format. It's his style of basketball. You know, oh, it's going to yeah. be it's going to fit him perfectly. You, and you're going to need him in the clutch moments. He, he'll come for you. And it's like if someone were to try to pick him up, who do you think that team would be out of the 22? That's a really good question. I mean, he, he seems like he's destined for like a Lakers type of team who just need that extra body who can maybe come in for five to 10 minutes and 
give him some scoring and give LeBron a rest. So hell, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's either going to be a team with yeah, it's going to be a team with a superstar on it, like a LeBron or a Clippers or like the Bucks, or it's going to be you know like the Nets who have absolutely nobody else to turn to. I don't think it's going to be one of those middling teams like the 76ers yeah. uh, or like the Pacers. I don't like some of these teams that are kind of middle of the road. They don't. There's no need for Joe Johnson. They don't need to spend their time and money on him. But the teams that have established superstars already big guys or no one. I think he's he's going to either of those extremes. Mm, yeah, I think. Be my guess. I think he'll uh, definitely try to. I think he'll try. Well, I hope someone call him, but I think he'll try to uh, get in one of those playoff hunting teams, one of those teams that look really look like a title contender. I think he'll somebody will try to give him a phone call. At least I hope. Yeah, that would be great. Listen, I would love to see Joe Johnson play. I love watching him on TBT. During the Big Three, he was great. He was, He's just an exciting guy, and he's someone who can still, kind of like Jamal Crawford, who you know can just score. Get a bucket. Get yeah, a bucket. he can get a bucket. He can score, and he can go off for 30 points if he's having a good night. You know, that type of thing, who he's still capable of of getting into this zone where he's just unstoppable. He's just hitting every shot, and we, we've seen it in the past couple months with him. We saw it last year with him in the Big Three, so – there, there's depth. There has to be teams that have him on their radar. There has to be. And I would be shocked if he's not on a team uh, that needs him or that, that needs an extra player in the next couple months. Uh, let's go to overreaction. Arnold. Arnold. So what's the overreaction this week? So, Ben, is the NBA accommodating well enough for the players? I, You know, listen, if the, if the statement is the NBA isn't accommodating well enough for the players – is that an overreaction? I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think they've been under accommodating, but I think they definitely could have done a better job. You, like you just never want to see the players complaining about the setup with the food, and <laughs> these players were getting blankets that were too small for them, and there was cockroaches in some of their rooms, like things like that. And I get it. This is the first time any league in the history of the world has ever done something like this, so there are going to be issues. But some of these issues are easily fixable yeah. from the start. And some some are understandably part of the growing pains of doing something like this. But some of these issues could have been fixed early on and they didn't. So I don't think it's an overreaction to say the NBA wasn't accommodating well enough for the players. But I think you have to give the league a little bit of slack for what they're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too, Ben. And I think they've done a pretty decent job. Like we like we talked about the food. You know, I think it'll, it'll get better. It'll improve as, you know, the players voice their uh you know, voice their uh, have their voices heard, you know, so I think it'll be better. But yeah, I think they've done a good job accommodating for them overall. You know, they've they've provided different type of things they can do in terms of fishing. They can, you know, ping pong, no doubles, but they no can ping, <laughs> yeah, no doubles. But, you know, they can have some ping pong, some fishing, obviously have their uh, video games. Uh, they don't have to worry about looking crazy when they're there because they'll have barbers, you know, they have pedicure, manicure available. And, you know, even Kawhi Leonard will be able to get his hair braided because they'll have hair braiders. So, you know, it'll be cool. They'll get they'll get four meals on game day, three meals on a regular. So, you know, they'll be I think they'll be fine overall. You know, they'll, they just have to find ways to enjoy it, you know, while they're not, you know, in game mode, you know, yet you know why they're not in game mode yet so i think once i think once they get into the cycle of playing games and going to practice i think a lot of things that that they're 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 bothered by they won't be bothered by uh, anymore as the as it season kind of returns back yeah it's it is amazing what being accommodated with things eventually you know you spend two or three weeks there and it just becomes semi-normal so yeah they're going to they're going to get used to it at that point where they just it's going to be part of their daily routine and 
it's going to be how the way things are and it's going to be the, how the way things will be for the next month or two for them. So they're just going to get used to it. But I am glad to see that the NBA did offer them fishing, like you said, and these extracurricular activities that they can do because you need to keep them. You need to keep the players feeling like, like, you know, they're not in prison or they're not in some like lockdown situation where they can't leave uh, or they can't talk to anyone or they can't do anything. Because once you do that, you have to deal with the mental aspects of that, that the players are going to start having. And that is a whole different ball game where you have to deal with players who feel, you know, closed in or claustrophobic and things like that. When you want them to be focusing on playing top notch basketball, you don't want them to be focusing on other things. So for the league to be able to offer all these other extra things for players to do, to get out of the hotel rooms, to, to relax. I think that's a really good move by them because they didn't have to do that, I guess, but I think they went out of their way to try to give them as much opportunity to do other things outside of basketball that they could. Oh yeah. Without question. They, I think they've definitely done a good job. All right. Let's finish up our throwback hoops, 2000 series. We, this is the last one we're going to do because we have real basketball to talk about there at the next episode <laughs> in two weeks. Yes, Amazing. sir. So we've done point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. Um, and for me, I've so I'll just go over mine. Steve Nash, Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Tim Duncan were my four. So we can do, finally, we've come to the end, our centers. And centers, uh, again, 2000s was kind of the last decade of actual. Last dime breed centers. of the center. <laughs> the last dance of those true centers. Uh, you let, let's have you start with your centers because I know mine and mine is you know mine is pretty stereotypical for that era. So yeah, who, that's who, why mine his name ain't on there. So we probably have the same one. I think we do. Probably. It's hard not to put this guy as yeah. your top center for the mid two thousand. Yeah, pretty much. But I will you know say like my honorable mentions. You know I gotta gotta always include the honorable guys, the guys that we can't forget about. And number one, I always gotta include Yao Ming in there because like his uh. I always believe his career was stopped short because of the constant foot injuries he would have because obviously he's seven foot five, 300 pounds, you know, that's, and playing 82 games, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot to take on, you know, for a seven foot five individual such as Yao Ming. But during his time in the NBA, I would say he was pretty solid for sure. Uh, All-star, obviously, I got an average 25 points a game in the season before. So, you know, so he was a bucket at seven foot five, you know, obviously at the rim, you know, dunking on folks without having to even jump or with any effort. So, Got to give credit where credit's due in Yao Ming. Then another guy on the defensive side, and, you know, I didn't really like this team growing up, despite being from uh, the state of Michigan, and that being the Detroit Pistons. But, you know, I got to give credit and respect to where it's due. And that being uh, Mr. Virginia Union here, uh, Ben Wallace, you know, six foot nine anchor man for the Detroit Pistons, three, what, three, four time defensive player of the year. You know, he's amazing. Definitely, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, didn't do too much on offense, but. Tremendous rebounder, six foot nine center, blocking shots to seven foot guys like like a Yao Ming or like a Dwight Howard, which is another, you know, Dwight Howard also another center, you know, great center in this league too, a Hall of Famer. And that's funny. That's a debate too, Ben. You think you think Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer? You really like, like, is that up for debate? You think that's a debate for Dwight Howard to be Hall of Famer? And this is a question like I debate with friends like every couple months because it's hard. <laughs> I if if you have a gun to my head. And he, you you shoot me if I don't make an answer. <laughs> I would say Dwight Howard is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, well, I just think I would say he he's got he doesn't have all the accolades to to make him a Hall of Famer, but I think the fact that he just was the most dominant guy of for a few years, I think for the kind of that last era of the 2000s, 
and the fact that he was so he made the final he just there was no defense and it seemed like no defensive player that could stop him i think that in itself makes him a hall of famer now is he like he would just get in if it was my opinion but i do think he is a hall of famer man that man eight-time all-star five-time rebound champion two-time block champion he what oh i think he won a defense player of the year at least twice so I mean, he's a he's a monster. He was uh, three time defensive player of the year. It was three years in a row. Oh, nine, 10 and 11. He made defensive first team four times. He made the, the, the thing, too, also that I think needs to be taken into account a little more than a lot of people do is how many times you make all NBA first team, because that's you know, it shows that you were the best player at your position for that year. And he yeah. made that team, that five Times. He was the best center in the NBA five years in a row. I think that should that that's not the only thing that should get you in the Hall of Fame, but I think that is a big spot that should make the case for you to be a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, without question. He's got a he's got tons of 20-20 games. He's had 30-20 games. He's had a 30-30 game. Like he's a stud. Dwyer is a stud. And it's funny because like, I, I always laugh at like his situation right now because people really think he washed. Like I laugh yeah. at the idea of people really thinking Dwight Howard is just like washed. Like you really understand, you really think that man can get you 17 and 13 today. If you give him 28 minutes, you give him 28 minutes consistently. That's 17 and 13. Yeah. He's, well, he's definitely not washed, but he's also on the perfect team that he can be on. He is not relied on to score at all. Yeah. He's really just in there theoretically the way that team is set up for his defense and his rebounding his scoring is extra at that point so i think the pressure for him to not have to score and just to rely on his basic instincts of being a good defender and a blocker and a rebounder he's in the perfect position and that's why he's thriving right now he's definitely thriving and i think uh they're gonna i think he's gonna be a catalyst for them when they like the playoffs and stuff start in the bubble too as well so who's your center yeah he's gonna be huge for them and it and listen i think it for me my number one guy, I think our number one guys are the same. I would probably I would probably put Dwight Howard as number two in, mm. in top players for me in the 2000s. He just, younger people, and I can't believe I'm saying this as a 25-year-old, but young people younger than me who are into sports right now, I just don't know if they fully understand how good Dwight Howard actually was in those late 2000s years because he was the guy. No, he definitely NBA. was the guy. He had a, he had a shoe. You get yeah, a shoe, had, you, you kind of, you know, you're kind of special. <laughs> yeah, he had everything going for him. Dunk contest champion. I mean, he just, he went to the finals. I mean, that's He, he beat LeBron to go to the finals. He beat LeBron to go to the finals. So that's yeah. just a lot. <laughs> he beat LeBron. Like, how many people can say they beat LeBron James to go to the finals? That's, he, he was a very, very special player. And I, and I just think, for whatever reason, a lot of the pressure, I think, just, ended up getting to him at some point in the early 2010s. He just, something happened with him where he just wasn't the same player he was before. Maybe it was age and maybe this the way he played couldn't be contained or, or couldn't be consistently carried on from season to season, but something happened where he just fell off. And there were, I, I remember because I was cutting stuff up for stadium um, to start the NBA season. We, we interviewed him and he was talking about how, the whole off season last year, he was a changed man. He went through different workout regimens. He he's feeling much better mentally, and he just feels like a new, different guy. And it 100% showed during this past NBA season because he has been playing his best basketball since 2013, 2014. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? With Dwight Howard, you know, I don't even question if he's a Hall of Famer because he is. And I know what he's capable of. And I know what he's capable of doing. And like you said, you know, he like like I said, he beat LeBron. Like you said, he went to the finals. You know, he faced Kobe Bryant. You know, he's so he's been at the top of the top. Like he's like he's been at the pillar of the game. You know, he's averaged 22 points, 14 rebounds, two and a half blocks a game. Like that's an amazing stat sheet right there. You know, he's done that multiple times in his career. And so, like, without question, I'm always going to say, like, Dwight Howard is a Hall of Famer. But who's your center? It's uh, the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq Diesel! <laughs> gotta be. You gotta put Shaq there. It would be disrespectful to him to not so put him as number one. <laughs> hey, I saw I saw Charles Barkley didn't have Shaq in his top ten. That had to be some of the funniest. <laughs> oh, he, he had to have done ever. that just to mess with him. He had just to have. Straight, straight trolling. That's just straight trolling at this point. Because come that on now, awesome. Chuck. Come on, Chuck. Shaq? Shaq Diesel? Shaq Diesel? Like Shaq, come on, come on, being Shaq Diesel, like he, man, Superman, like he got and so many talk- nicknames. <laughs> oh, he's, and, and the thing is too is we talked about how dominant Dwight Howard was. Take that, and then Shaq was like five times that. Time, amplify it, like yeah, like amplify it a hundred times, like that's literally he no. To me, in my opinion, in my opinion, Shaq the most dominant basketball player ever. Like, dominant, like, you have to put the, like, dominant, like, he's the most dominant basketball player ever, I think. I think. Because, like, you couldn't contain him in his prime. Like, you look at his stat sheet and his career, you, like, it's in, it's insane, like, how good he was. 23, 29, 29, 26, 26, 28, 26, 29, 29, 27, 27. Well, like, what? You do that for, a for that, for, as a center for that long? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. No, he, he's just he's the best. And I think the fact that he has a fun personality too helps. He's just a goofy dude. Most marketable. Most marketable most marketable guy next to next to Michael Jordan. Would you agree to that? Most marketable guy after Michael. Uh yeah. I would say so. Shaq making commercials still to this day. <laughs> yeah. He's he's in the weirdest commercials too. He's in like the, the general. general commercials. Yep. What, what the <laughs> hell is that? What is that? That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's a but back- he is making millions from that. That's a background. There's a background story to that. So I guess that was the first insurance that he ever had for his really? first car. Yep. So his first car was uh, his insurance was through the general. So that's why <laughs> he stayed committed to them and got got uh, sponsored with them. You know, he uh, he joined board with uh, the general. So that's why. That's yep. That's the backstory to that. That's incredible. He he's just he he has a fascinating life. He's he's still a fascinating guy. He's still entertaining. Um, he's just he he has all around everything. And I think marketable is the perfect thing for that. He is probably one of the NBA's most marketable people to ever live. And people, everyone knows about him. Everyone everywhere. He's almost like Michael Jordan. Not to that extent of fame, but he's up there where everyone knows who Shaq is. Everyone. I love Shaq. Shaq D's with a big Aristotle. And that's why he's number one. The other one, <laughs> honorable mention, Ben Wallace. I think he's a good guy to, to make an honorable mention. I mean, there's a ton of centers we can say, but those top three, Dwight Howard, Yao Ming, Ben Wallace. I mean, those were three incredible centers from that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without question. And I'm I was trying to think of like more like dominant guys or like guys who just who played like very well. I really couldn't think of anyone because like the other positions is really like 
like a power forward who would like come in and or like be the center at times. So like I think I talked about on the last podcast, like Jermaine O'Neal. But he was a guy that would play center quite often too for the Indiana Pacers. So you know, it was just different. I just couldn't think of more like really, really good centers that were really good in the two thousands, you know. Yeah. Definitely not as good as Shaq, that's for yeah, sure. Not as good as Shaq. <laughs> All right, I think that that just about does it. Absolutely. That concludes this edition of Points in the Paint podcast. Make sure you listen and subscribe and make sure you check out the older podcast as well. If you haven't had the opportunity to hear from our Eric Woodyard on that podcast, make sure you check that out and hear the interview we had with him about the bubble and hear more information about the NBA bubble as well. Make sure you follow Shams on Twitter and Stadium as well, of course, and make sure you uh, listen and subscribe to Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder. They come out every Thursday and they've been dropping some amazing content on their podcast as well as we have, of course. And so make sure you check that out. You follow myself, Zach Badgerhouse, on Twitter and make sure you, of course, follow my man, Ben Winston, on Twitter. And that concludes this edition of Points in the Pain Podcast.